Have you ever approached your job and felt like you were struggling with other departments? Well, some practical advice could be assume good intent or go introduce yourself to people in the organization to begin breaking down those barriers that may be up unintentionally and it will improve your work life. All that coming up next on the Unity Talks podcast. Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to another edition of the Unity Talks podcast. And it's a little bit different today. We've got special guests. And if you are watching us online, we're actually in a different room. That's not the big surprise. The big surprise is we have two guests here today. So our guests are Craig Story. He is the CFO of Very. And our other guest is Emily Grow, who is one of the sales executives at Very. So we're so thankful that y'all could join us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, Exciting. absolutely. Yeah, excited to be here. This should be good. I almost messed up on Emily's name right before we started. <laughs> I'm like, how do you pronounce your last name? And she told me. Being so from I, Louisiana, it happens all the time. So. I appreciate that, yes. So um, before we get too far in, I'm gonna go through both of our guests' background and just give you some high-level view of their career. I've actually shortened Craig's a lot because we only have 30 minutes. Because he's old. And it would, <laughs> it would have taken the entire 30 minutes. I'm reading this page and I'm like, yeah, we're cutting a lot. We're giving <laughs> the highlights I chose. And then we're also giving Emily's highlights. We're gonna run into a little bit of a infomercial about Vary after that. And then we're jumping into our content. All right, so Craig, 2014, you've been with Vary for eight years. I was one employee 19. Employee 19, and now there are over 350 employees at Vary. Correct. That's awesome. So you've been there for a long ride. Yes, I knew Jason and Dan, the co-founders. Um, I'd known them for about a decade and always wanted an opportunity to work with them. And so I jumped at the chance and it's been a very fun ride. Here's what's crazy. I was at Very in 2014, 2015. Right. Very different location than yes. what we are in I think today. We were still in the Jemmy building, weren't we? We were still in the Jemmy okay. building, yes. And 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 you guys were like tucked away back in the corner. Did we give you the tour of the showroom? Yes. Okay. I got the tour. Very small, about the size of this room we're in right now. Oh, but we didn't give you the Jemmy showroom tour. I saw like a, is it the warehouse? Yes. I saw the warehouse. Okay. Yeah. So, so Jemmy uh, is a, um, is one of the largest sellers of um, seasonal outdoor products in the world. They created the lawn inflatable. They created, they started by creating big mouth billy bass. That's what made them blow up. The, you remember the wall mounted singing oh, yeah. fish, oh, yeah. take me to the river. And then they, they ended up evolving into this amazing lighting and, uh, and lawn inflatable. So they own about 90% of the seasonal lawn, uh, lawn inflatable market. So all those blow up Santas and, and yep. they, they, we incubated in their office, but their office is also a showroom. So you'd walk through and there'd be all these, you know, giant panda bears and Santa Clauses I and remember uh, ghosts. And, uh, you know, it was my, my two daughters who were, you know, around four and six at the time I, I jumped in were I think their biggest disappointment was when they found out I actually sold furniture instead of, <laughs> <laughs> instead of uh, Halloween stuff. Yeah, that office was, but the office now is phenomenal. And we're actually gonna get into that real quick here in a second. Um, so in 2019, outstanding CFO for large private company as nominated by the DCO Magazine Awards. 
And then that's where I kind of cut it off because it just got longer and longer and longer. But we can't we can't skip out. You just said it. You you've got two daughters, eleven and thirteen. Yes. Both in middle school. Correct. And and that's awesome. And then you had me on this. You're like a, a kind of a distance type athlete for the most part because it's skiing, running, cycling, and then you kind of sneak the CrossFit in at the very <laughs> end, right? Yeah, I I love sweating. I love it. Don't forget the Peloton. <laughs> and don't, well, the cycling. I thought we were covering it with yeah. the cycling. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, it's like on the tour path. You'll see him. You know, casually. You so if I got a Peloton, he's going to be an instructor right. of mine soon. Probably. You know, I would would have put it past him. <laughs> awesome. And then and so now we're moving on to you. Okay. So been there since 2017. Yes. Right. And worked your way up one of the top performing sales executives at Very. Before that, hospitality industry, seven years, sales and marketing, consistently moving into additional positions. And you are also really into a healthy lifestyle, which I love that. Yeah. I mean, you did. That was great. You just rattled that off. Like, you know, it's your life almost. <laughs> um, definitely part of one of the things that attracted me, the mental health, you know, just work-life balance at Very and the culture and coming from a different industry that maybe environment didn't have that. So very attracted to that. And then having an onsite gym and being able to take a break when you need. And yeah. everybody kind of needs that in order to recharge and be their best um, self at work. So it's yeah. great. Love that. Well, we're very thankful that you're here. So we're gonna start off like this. So Craig, two minute, three minute infomercial. Tell us about who Very is, what Very does for those people who may be hiding under a rock. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, so uh, Very is about a 10 year old company. Um, we have a mission of creating workspaces that elevate people and cultures. And we started off uh, with the now ubiquitous Veradesk, which is a sit-stand desk converter. Um, we've sold over 3 million units to over 60 countries worldwide and uh, it really launched the brand and um, we in the in the evolution as we started migrating from selling product online to starting to talk to corporate customers every everything from mom and pops to federal government to fortune 10 companies what we realized was that there was a lot of pain in the in the contract furniture industry it's a very complicated ecosystem there's not a lot of flexibility in the product it's highly customized and we saw an opportunity to jump in there. And so we started cultivating a, a, a line that, that uh, is always in stock of, of uh, product that everything you'd need to outfit your office, conference tables, movable walls, lighting, uh, soft seating, uh, standing desks, of course, uh, everything you, you would need. And, and along the way, we started realizing that the, the workplace was changing um, and that um, and co-working had changed um, it had changed how uh, people looked at work. And so as we saw flexible workspaces growing, we started talking to commercial asset owners and said, um, hey, you know, our solution would work great if you wanted to create flexible spaces, you wanted to minimize your TI, you could do shorter term leases because that's really what causes those long term leases is, trying to recoup those those tenant improvement costs when new tenants move in. And um, Dan and Jason, being the entrepreneurs that they were, said, we, we need to move this faster. We want to prove to asset owners. So we bought the old sales headquarters building and turned it into to a concept called Verispace. It's a 400,000 square foot uh, flexible space, uh, enterprise level space as a service, flexible space solution. Um, and we 
had leased 80% of it before we were done with demo and bought another building out in South Lake. And then we just built our third Verispace in Capel, which is now our headquarters, mm -hmm. uh, Verispace Capel at 121 in Freeport. So it's been amazing. If you, when I came in selling a desk on top of a desk, if you would have told me that I was going to be in the real estate business, you know, eight years later, I would have, I would have laughed, but I should have realized knowing Dan and Jason that yeah. that was kind of, we were going to be doing something different. Yeah, if you you should really look them up to our audience. It's uh, they've got great products and it's expanded rapidly. And and you hit my cue. Great segue. So, a Monday in August, I'm out at Barry, and y'all's a new place in the Capel area. You're taking me on a tour. You came in halfway. You joined us on the tour. And here's what I noticed. Outside of the environment was so cool and everybody was super welcoming and your products were great. It was you, Craig, were Emily's champion. Emily, you're Craig's champion. Everybody knew who Emily was when we went into any of the areas and everybody was everybody else's champion. And a lot of times in accounting and finance, like if I go back into early my career, I was a financial analyst before doing this 18 years ago and then doing this for 18 years, working with finance, accounting, executives, business owners. There's this constant underlying theme that is a little bit of tension between your accounting and finance organization and sales and operations. I know there was with me when I was a financial analyst. You know, it's like the salespeople are, if I quote Jerry Maguire, show me the money. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to get, hey, look, I need to spend money to make money. We've all heard that. And then you've got the accounting and finance, right? Which is what I was at the time. I've played both roles in my career. The accounting, it's like, no, this is your budget. You need to stay within this. Um, gosh, the sales team's super frustrating because they're always want, 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 you know, and there's this friction and a power struggle between the two. And I don't know if that day I was walking through Narnia when I was at <laughs> y'all's office, but there was none of that. And so I thought, man, this is just a perfect opportunity to, to talk about and share with our audience. How, how did Very get there? And and how is the environment and how is the culture? Because our audience is finance and accounting executives and people who are climbing in their career. And I felt like y'all could share a lot of really good knowledge. So Craig, I'm gonna ask you first, you know, when you look at Vary, you've been there for eight years. Mm -hmm. Certainly it's not Narnia, right? I'm, I'm wrong, right? Y'all have had struggles and y'all have worked through them. Can you share a little bit about that evolution? Sure, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're probably Narnia light. So uh, we're, 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 like we're aspiring to Narnia. Um, yeah, I think the first big jump was moving from a B2C organization. So when we had the Veridesk, most of our revenue for the first two to three years, a, a disproportionately large portion of our revenue was through our website or through um, Amazon, right? So we didn't really have, we had a couple of corporate salespeople. Um, but what started happening was that we started getting more and more calls from corporations saying, hey, it was death by a thousand cuts. You know, we had what we called the Trojan, who was the first person who went out generally on their own and bought a Veridesk. And they started saying, I love my Veridesk, right? And everybody, and, and actually, if you do a heat map of our reviews, love is the, is the number one word that's used, which is awesome. I like that. Um, so, and I think it was about, it was about not just about the product, but about the experience. And we really invested heavily in the customer experience. And so now all of a sudden we see our corporate team growing because customers are saying, what if I buy 10? What if I buy 50? What if I buy a hundred? I don't want to buy through the website. How do I? So we started building this team. 
And so that first transition was how do we build a sales organization? Um, how do we give them enough latitude that they can they can go out and they, they, they can run and they can grow, but you know try to keep the the, the tracks on the rails. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like we're we're in a bowling alley with the bumpers up. Yes, right. right. And so it was it was um, you know we made a lot of mistakes, and I think that's one of the things that I love about the organization, and I think that starts with the founders, is this idea that hey look we recognize we're going to make a lot of mistakes, but that's how we learn. So. Um, you know, assuming good intentions and saying we're all going to be in this together. And I think so we started kind of building this really good foundation. Um, and then we said, hey, we're going to pivot to enterprise furniture and we're going to start selling all the stuff to outfit your office. That was a that, that was another monumental leap. Um, and that's where it got even more tricky because now we're talking about projects and, and this is when the accounting and finance piece of it mm. starts coming in because we're saying, okay, we've got terms and how much do you, you know, what are the terms and how do we do this? And I've always said to my team, we can't be the department of no. Mm. We have to enable the sales team to be able to do their job. Now that doesn't mean give them whatever they want and, you know, and, and uh, free for all, but but it does require us to be solution focused, and again, assuming good intent and saying, okay, how do we? The answer could be yes if or yes but, but it can't be no. So let's and so we've really kind of hammered that into our team, and and yes, we've made a load of mistakes on the way, but I think all in all, what that's done is created a culture where I think largely the sales team and the accounting and finance team are invested in each other's success and recognize that the, that the the two working together lifts the boat love that you're you're shaking your head i'm watching you and you're going <laughs> yes exactly what he's saying so how does what he say how does that land on your ears well starting um as an executive assistant and kind of growing with the company i early on you could see maybe some gaps or some room for improvement and one of the very first things on an interview, when I interviewed at Barry, they said, we have a lot of think tank meetings and we want people to bring ideas to the table and kind of understand what pain points you see and what solutions do you have. And then we'll make a decision as a company and move forward with that. And then I think it's always that embrace change, like, hey, that we're gonna try it out, just like Craig said. And I've been a part of that where we're like, hey, we're gonna put our eggs in this basket. If it doesn't work, we'll pivot and try something else being very flexible with solutions and different things help. And then that helps Craig learn what we're facing day to day. And then same thing with internal. Okay, if I'm talking to a customer and they ask me, what are the payment options? And then they start bringing stuff up that we might not know. Our solution or my game plan is, hey, let me get a meeting with accounting. So then we can talk through what might work best for you. And I think that has been kind of the kind of the thread throughout is let's find a way. Mm -hmm. Let's not lead with no. And most of the people on Craig's team that I've talked to often, they know that I'm gonna talk to them early and often so that we can find the best solution for that project, that customer, that account. And then if it works, great. And if it doesn't, we'll think of something else. So I think that's the the root behind everything. You have to focus on what's best for the customer and it could be customized it doesn't have to be as black and white as what we've known in the past but let's think outside the box and get creative and see where it goes 
you're both each other's customer and then you have the end customer. And I like you said, you've already said it twice, which I really like, it's assume good intent. And you know, I've talked to my team before, it's like, you know, we have a recruiting division and we have sales. And so there can be tension in that. And some tension's good, right? Because you're working towards the best solution for your end customer. And, and it also shows that you're passionate about coming to the right solution, which that's great. Too much tension is what you're trying to avoid. But if you know you're on the same team and you're working for the good of the customer, it's just a difference of opinion, then you should be assuming good intent. Right. Your, yours is just a better way of, I, mine is like, it takes me, you know, 50 words to get that out. And yours is like, assume good intent. It's like, done. I'm like, <laughs> I'm okay, well, you. I'm stealing it. Craig's the main a few words, but they're always impactful. Well, well Jason, Jason and I say that to each other, our CEO and I uh, say that to each other all the time, right? Because you can, you can lock yourself into a mindset that, oh, somebody's trying to get away with something, right? But at the end of the day, if you start with, I'm going to assume good intent, um, that, that doesn't mean that you don't scrutinize. It just means that you start from a place of, okay, they're doing what's in the best interest of the business or they're, what they're doing is not trying to pull one over on us. Mm -hmm. it's they're, they're, they're negotiating from their end from, from what's best for, for in, in their best interest. Yeah, yeah. You're still working towards that customer, which is great. So I'm, I'm stealing that, assume good intent. <laughs> it's nice. It's better than, than my long drawn out. Okay, so Emily, the Very Way program. So... This is something that you've talked with me about in the past. So tell us a little bit about what the Very Way program, because it it goes into what we're talking about right now. Yeah, 100%. So a lot of leading are kind of going back a little bit to what Craig mentioned with understanding we're going to grow. And so there's things that we might have started in the beginning and we need to pivot to change. We kind of looked at our organization as we're moving towards the project focus. We said, how can we better align departments? So do we need a team that may um, kind of connect the dots? So we have sales, which is the team that I'm on. And then we have a customer success manager team that we kind of internally call them the quarterback between projects, accounting, finance, operations, everything internally. And then we have project management. So everybody has a step in the process. And then that also goes into design as well. So when you jump on a customer call, everybody kind of can share, hey, here's my role. Here's um, what the customer can expect from me. And everybody shares a little bit about their part of the pie, I like to say. So when the customer understands who does what in that process, they know everybody's together. So it's not an Emily win by any means, it's a company win. And knowing that everybody understands who's doing what when, it streamlines the process for the customer. And there's still things that we're ironing out as we go, but for the most part, it's very successful. I've, I really appreciate having the understanding now, accounting will ask me what they need for me, and then I do the same. So you build that relationship and communication is always key. And so I think that has really helped with the Veryway program. So we know more. It's intentionally inviting everybody in to win the deal with the customer. Right. Is there a tagline for the Very Way program? We, I, I don't think we have it. Do we? Have, oh, well, we don't have a tagline, but I will say that. So uh, Emily was one of the first ones to really dig in and embrace it. And it doesn't surprise me because I think there, there's nobody who emulates, emulates our values more than, than Emily does. But she had her TSM and um, her, her space planner, 
and they were they they developed there was a name developed for them snap crackle and pop and so they they've yeah. kind of become the prototype for what this needs to look like from a from a collaboration and partnership standpoint when you think about our business we're trying to do things differently if you look at the traditional contract furniture industry it's a lot like the auto industry so you know if if i go on the ford website i can design my ford down to every feature i want but ultimately what it does is it kicks me out to a dealer and then the dealer has stuff in stock that they want to get rid of and it's the list and discount game and they make most of their re revenue not off the sale of the car but on the after sale parts and service the 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 furniture industry works very similarly so what we said was we we built our business on a direct relationship with our fans as jason likes to call mm -hmm. them and we need to we respect that relationship we value that relationship and we want to we want to expand that relationship so we 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 control from the from the point it you know comes into the warehouse all the way to to uh, you know when when it's the customer says yep this is great or no it's not great so when we first started doing it we just especially not being furniture industry people we made a lot of mistakes and I think ultimately what happened was and I'll give credit to Jeff Lamb our president and COO he said we need a guiding light. We need a North Star, and it became the the very way. And now the very way has expanded beyond the operational piece of it, mm -hmm. and making sure that we're organizationally structured to get it from sale to install, to marketing and and sales. Now having the very way to make sure that hey, um, are we aligned on the messaging? Are we aligned on mm -hmm. so? Because what happened is you have this proliferation of marketing materials, and everybody's like, well, okay, I, now I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to what to bring to the table, and I think that's really starting to pay some dividends you know just trying as you grow to break down those silos as they occur and make sure that we're all operating under the same system so if i get really tactical about that because you just said there was a, a critical mass that was achieved and jeff lamb says i mean we need a guiding light we need a program we need a tagline um, that we push out so as a leadership team are you pushing it down to your people like how does that catch fire I think that the overall concept was a was maybe pushed down, saying, "Hey, look, we've got to get there." But this was a purely collaborative. We had a large task team, rep people representing pretty much every group in the building, to sit and design this and say, "This is what we think it needs to look like." And then you start sort of beta testing it, saying, "Okay, does this work?" And then once you start seeing it working, you expand it. And it we're not a patient organization, um, and I think that the, the challenge is you want to immediately go in and change stuff, right? Oh, this doesn't work. And, and mm -hmm. embrace change being one of our core values, as Emily said, I think, you know, it, it even further, you, you, you have to say, well, okay, wait a second, let's give it a little room to breathe and let's see. And, and I think as a result, we have made tweaks, but the, but the initial um, construct has really, has, has maintained, you know, the, the way we've done it. And I, and I think that, um, and, and it is getting better and better. It's just, uh, it was, yeah, it was a lot of sausage making and a lot of the team um, really, again, partnering together and saying, together we're gonna succeed. We can't do this if, it can't be a finger pointing exercise. It can't be a, hey, that's your job, that's my job. Uh, and, and a lot of it is around creating role clarity. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we all got to pick up. If something yeah. falls, if something happens, we all got to be prepared to roll up our sleeves. I mean, I've, you know, I've been involved in all, all kinds of things, you know, and, you know, everything from installs to calling up a customer when we've had a bad experience yeah. and saying, hey, look, I'm sorry, what can we do?
Well, one of the things that that you mentioned a few minutes ago as as you were talking is I'm sitting there thinking like, especially with salespeople in general, I'm going to pick on salespeople because, you know, I think most people sitting in this room would say, hey, we're salespeople. Um, you can be very territorial. Well, that's mm -hmm. my customer. No one talks to my customer but me. And I, I often relate it back to uh, my wife. She'd kill me if I was saying this out, out loud. <laughs> this is being recorded. I, I know, I, but she'll it. never see this, trust me. Um, <laughs> so she, uh, you know, she was a nurse, for bedside nurse for mm -hmm. 20 years, and, and she does something different within the healthcare industry now. Um, and when people get so territorial and they become protective and possessive of their stuff, I call it the nurse's station because in general, that's the way nurses are. Like she would tell me just these war stories of like, don't you go near my patient. That's my, and this is how I'm handling that patient. And I've just said that in corporate America, like we don't wanna be a nurse's station where we're so territorial that someone else can't come in to help us with our customer, mm -hmm. that we need to invite them in because maybe they have a better solution. And that's exactly what you were just outlining where everybody's defining their role to their customer so that we're swarming the customer together. Every role clarity is super important if you're gonna do that, because then you got too many people stepping on each other's toes, right? But I think that's what I that's what I see is instead of being territorial, you're being inviting towards all of the groups within the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so that like I'm learning that from listening to you guys. That's so valuable. I know I can get better mm -hmm. at being more inviting to help problem solve instead of thinking. Well, I've got all the answers and I just need to move quick because I'm a little impatient with it. So I want to step on the gas. Right. You know, so I really appreciate that. So what is the benefit to an organization buying in to working more collaboratively, such as the very way? And I would say it two ways. Number one, I think it's important for people to know what is it personally, because sometimes you have to make it personal for it for people to buy in. But then I think the second question outside of that is, you know, I'd ask you, I'm gonna start off, let's redo this question here, okay? So I'm gonna be very specific. Speaking as a salesperson, how has it benefited salespeople to invite accounting finance people into your decision-making process and swarming your customer? Great question. I initially will say, the more you communicate, the better experience for the customer. Because to Craig's point, we're trying to streamline the industry or the buying process for furniture. So the earlier I can loop in accounting and say, hey, this is a project that's coming down the pipeline. Who do you need to connect with? What do I need to line up? What do I need to send them ahead of time? So we are simultaneously working all facets of the project. So when the customer says, hey, I need to be in by the end of the month, no problem. Everybody knows what they're doing and we just execute. And I think that's where you have the buy-in from everyone. And so when they have the name like, oh, this project was closed, I'm always like, here are the people that helped. And so just the appreciation around it, it gives people ownership. And then I think that comes into your work ethic. Like you're excited to have that and to know, oh, I matter. Like my job matters. And I'll give a shout out to Craig, like you said, cheerleaders here, but my very first experience at Barry, I was picking up furniture, boxes on the ground, and all of a sudden Craig stops me, the CFO says, hey, you're doing a great job. I look up, I'm like, oh, you know who I am? Like, I'm thinking, like, I'm just another person at the office, because corporate America, 
you can't lose sight that companies are growing, they're so big, not everyone knows everyone. And one of the things that I always love is that the CEO, the CFO, the president, they all know who I am. And those are things that you have to invest in. So like I have to get to know them, I have to show I'm a team player, I'm here, I'm ready to learn and be authentic. And if I mess up, own it. Say, hey, I've dropped the ball here. I didn't realize I needed to loop you in sooner. So now I know you're trying to, you know, do things really quickly out of your timeline. But recognizing that and saying it's not going to be the norm, it's a miss, and I'm going to work to actually change that and actually make effort to do that, I think goes a long way. So from a broader sales organization, you're satisfying your customers' needs better and you're extending gratitude back to those people. As a salesperson, my thought would be you should be able to close a lot more business, right? If you're going to make it personal to you, then at the end of the day, you're going to close more business and then you make more money by having accounting and finance help you through that process instead of hoarding it right and not inviting people into the decision making process is that yeah i mean once we have a lot like a lot of the very way is very handoffish so it's hey here's this step here's this step and so everyone knows what's happening so once i get it to they sign the quote they sign something i can go on to the next thing and i trust my team because i've built that relationship with them and we're very open on teams to say hey chatter me if you have any questions and they do that I had one from Chris earlier today and I was like, hey, I'm not really sure. Maybe, you know, let me get back to you tomorrow. So having that conversation and that window of being approachable, I think goes a long way. So then I can simultaneously work on finding new business, bringing in new accounts, but I'm trusting my team. Like on tours, I'll say, hey, Vincent, I got that payment coming in for you as I'm walking someone else through the tour. So it's maybe not as candid as that. But in general, I just am able to say like, hey, I have, I'll reach out to you later. I have something coming your way. So then it's, oh, okay. Like it's exciting in a sense, yep. I think at least. Yeah. It, it allows you to accomplish more because it yep. frees up your time from having to worry about all the steps being executed. You trust them. Yep. And so you can go out and get more business for the organization, right? Which is, that's your role. Yeah. Yeah. So from, from an accounting and finance standpoint, you know, what is the best approach for someone in accounting and finance? Because that's the large majority of our listening audience. Right. To approach sales and operations, uh, to help them close that business, to show them we're on the same team, to show them I'm not your adversary. I'm I want to be your business partner. Yeah. So so I, I think it starts actually, I feel organizationally. I, I will say that what's separated vary from a lot of companies I've worked for is that, and it, and it starts with our co-founders who are two of the most low ego people you'll ever meet in your entire life. They just, they don't carry large egos. And I think that's bled through the organization. So we've had high ego people come in and they struggle because you, you, if you're not open to, um, to, to accepting new ideas, to questioning, being, having your, um, your view challenged, then you can't get to this place. And I think that as you drill down to the team, it, you're right, we're hardwired because we're told from day one, you're here to protect the assets of the company. You have to be here. If, if the salespeople are gonna go off, they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do, but you have to you have to put guardrails around them, right? And, and I think that's what creates the friction when at the end of the day, we're, we're all in this to succeed together, right? And I think that as long as 
your team comes into the sales team and says, look, we wanna help, we're here to help you get to your sale. But but remember, we're here to collect the cash. Like that's, yeah. selling is great, but we gotta collect the cash and we gotta, we gotta do it profit and we gotta do this profitably. And I think if you can go into it just saying, hey, here's the why, here's the why we're challenging this, or here's the why with regard to this customer and, and why we're, we're requesting this. I think that if you can start from that place, uh, and, and if you can really listen to the struggles that the salesperson is having or, or the sales leader and as you're talking about process, I think it, it, it just it ends up resulting in better outcomes. Um, you know, I think it feels good in the short run to, to you know, Barney Fife somebody, that's an old reference, I'm sorry, and say, <laughs> no, this is, you know, I'm the sheriff, this, or I'm the deputy, this is the way it's going to happen, right? But at the end of the day, that doesn't, that doesn't contribute to the success of the business long term. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's listening to what your salespeople are faced on the front lines Instead of going into the conversation going, well, I already know what I'm going to tell them and this is what I'm going to tell them right. and they're just going to have to shape up. It's, you know what, maybe I need to open my ears and listen to them and consider, right, and assume good intent. Um, I think that's, that's exactly like th those things are keys in order for the success of an organization. But I'm going to go one step further for you. How do you do that in today's environment if we have listeners who are, well, we're hybrid or we're still remote because that poses an additional challenge because when I'm listening to both of y'all talk and, I, and I've seen you in action and it's like, I'm up bebopping around the office and talking to people and it's like, hey, Emily, we're on a tour, like, you yeah, know? <laughs> so that's, I mean, you can tell that's your, that's your mm -hmm. vibe, right? So how do you get that to happen when you're not in front of people? You want me to take it? Yeah, okay. you, you okay. take it. Um, one of the things I'll give my boss, my current boss credit for is he'll say, let's set up a meeting. Let's have a meeting. Let's do that. And so the action and being available and approachable. So, hey, there's a situation that happened. We could have done this a little bit better, or I might have some suggestions. If I'm not able to get up and walk over and talk to that person, I want to build a relationship with them. So I'll get on a Teams call, say, hey, I have some time in my calendar this day. When, do you, when are you available? let's try to build that like kind of bridge the gap like talk to people get to know people in other departments and my biggest thing anybody will hear me say this please put your picture on teams people want to talk to people they know they see they want to be able to say oh i know craig so he's more approachable when i do see him in person but for the hybrid environment i would really say technology's come a long way so we can and we do need a Sometimes slow down, set the meetings, reset expectations, realign roles and responsibilities, and then everyone's on the same page. And it's not a bad thing to say, oh, I have to set a meeting. It's, hey, I wanna really learn and understand and listen to why maybe I'm not doing it the way that would be, I'm kind of silosed in the way that I've only done it. So let's have a meeting and talk through what suggestions do you have? What are some solutions? And I would just say just being open to sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. I always say that because we don't grow if we just give all the highlights, right? Like I want to know, okay, where did someone on my team struggle? So then when that's kind of coming along, I can ask them, what was your solution? Or I'll reach out to Craig and say, hey, I have a CFO coming in. Like, do you want to join that tour in case he asked me something? I'm not sure. And so I just think being open and available, I would kind of give that as like a takeaway for remote or hybrid because everybody can add value that way. 
Yeah, we're in an in interesting period of time, right? Everybody's trying to figure it out. And I, and I don't know that we have it completely figured out. I think there are a couple things that we've done. We feel like we're better together. Um, and I think that, we, so we've, and we happen to be in this flexible workspace solutions business. So we've created, um, we think a workspace that encourages people to come in. We've really shifted and refocused our workspace to create a lot more collaborative spaces. So when people are in, they can collaborate. To Emily's point, I insist that people not only have a picture up, but that they're actually on screen. Um, because I, I just think if I'm staring at a picture or if I'm staring at an icon, I, I, I'm not getting, it's, it's hard enough to read a room when you're in a, in, a, in a room together, you add the layer of the video and, it's, and, and then you add, you know, I, I don't have any idea how Emily's reacting to something I'm saying if I'm looking at a static picture of her, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I think we've set some ground rules and, and we also have rules around, um, I, I tell my team, if you've exchanged three emails back and forth and you are still don't have resolution, then somebody jump on a phone call or somebody walk over and say, let's talk this out, right? Because you can always be the, you know, you can always be the 300-pound gorilla if you're, if you're um, behind a, a computer keyboard. But if you're face-to-face -face with somebody, then you actually have to, you know, you actually have to sit and, and hash it out. And people are a lot more collaborative and friendly when they're when they're actually face-to-face -face with one another. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's so natural for salespeople to well, let's just go talk with someone, you know, get out from behind my desk and go talk to them, or always have their screen on whenever yeah. they're on a Teams call or something like that. And accounting and finance people, by nature, most are a little bit more reserved. And so they'll just have the blank screen and maybe a name or, <laughs> right. you know, so you're talking to just like this black square, right, which can be really frustrating. But I think it's good for leaders to encourage when they are in the office, go get out, get out from behind your desk for your, from your standing desk, right? Yep. You're already standing up. So just go walk over to them and talk to them. And then if you are at home, pick up the phone or turn your screen on. And that's such practical advice to break down those barriers that seemingly always naturally just mm -hmm. pop up, even though you don't want them to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. Okay, so a couple of really quick practical steps so that people can actually tomorrow begin implementing some things that y'all might share with them for advice. So from a sales standpoint, if you're a salesperson, like what is advice that a salesperson could walk away from today, implement tomorrow on um, taking some action steps towards breaking down that wall and working together and not being so overly protective? Um, great. I thought about this. So great takeaway would be communicate, but get to know at least one person in every department outside of your direct team. That way you have a go-to and that's something they build a relationship with you, you build one with them, and then everybody understands why you do what you do. So get to know one person in a department that's not yours. Yeah, I like that. What about an accounting leader telling their team, advising their team, how would they tell them to not have that wall get put up or if it already there is already there chipping away at that? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we open with, which is one, assume good intent and, and start from that place and then understand that our role is, um, is to protect the assets of the company, but it's also within the mindset of enabling the sales team to succeed because that's how we all succeed. So going in and, and really working with the sales team um, and, and sometimes what you get 
because salespeople are under a tremendous amount of pressure, right? They have to hit quotas. They're 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 trying to they're trying to hit their numbers. They, they have demanding customers that are coming at them. So they it may not come their request may not come to you as gracefully as you'd like. But taking a deep breath and saying this isn't about me, this is about what's best for the company. Let's okay, let's talk and see if we can't come up with a solution that works for the customer and works for us. And so I think you know instilling that mindset um, it, it I think really pays dividends um, and, and leads to better financial solutions for the company yeah I like that I like both of those so taking that deep breath just pausing for a second so you can gather your faculties and really listen to what the person is looking for I think that's great and then just being proactive enough it, even if you're not sales, like everybody should Every, just, yeah. if you have a large organization, everybody should just go around and make sure that they know someone from at least one other department. Our company is small, so we should know everybody because we're together and we're small enough where every week we can all get together for breakfast. Not all company, we're 350 people, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so just getting out and getting in front of people, I think is such practical advice. I wanna thank both of y'all so much for being here today and joining us and sharing all of y'all's thoughts. It wasn't Narnia, it's Narnia Light, which I like. <laughs> the pursuit of Narnia. The pursuit of Narnia. We're the pursuit of Still Narnia and pursuit of <laughs> happiness. Yeah, yeah, so thank y'all so much for being here today. And to our audience who's listening to us each week, we thank y'all so much for tuning in. Please share this with people that you think would be impactful in their life and their career. And we will see you next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.